Hello, this is Gidon Rothstein, and this is Perak Tedvav of Sefer Mishlei, chapter 15 of the book of Mishlei. We're going to see it with the commentary of Ralbag of Gersanides, the 13th century, 14th century provincial biblical commentator and philosopher. Manerach Yashiv Chema Udvar Eitzev Ya'ale Af. So a soft response, a gentle response, a lays wrath, and a harsh word provokes anger. This is a very simple, and the Rebbeinu takes it in the very simple sense that how you respond to somebody uh, who speaks to you harshly will uh, affect whether it will uh, whether it will um, escalate or whether it will go down. So that if you answer softly, you can allay their wrath, you can stop their wrath from growing. Whereas if you answer in a way that will anger them or sadden them, that will increase their wrath, and they will respond to you in kind, and then it will escalate. So the Rebbeinu doesn't tell us whether this is always what you should do, but this is what Shlomo Melech was telling us about. The ways that we respond to others will affect how things go forward. Pasuk, Bet l'shon chachamim ivelet. That when people, when wise people speak, they increase the knowledge of their listeners and they fix, they, they, uh, educate them. There is an education to be had by listening to the wise, whereas when Ksilim speak, all they get is evelet is folly and, and silliness and that will come out of the source of their hearts, meaning that's all they have to give, so that's what you learn from them. So who you listen to will also affect you and what you gain and grow from in life. In every place, the eyes of God see what's good and what's bad. So this is a challenging thing, especially to a philosopher, because what do we mean by that? The Rabbi says, first of all, he says, when he says, it means that in all places, everything comes out of Hashem's general knowledge, out of His knowledge, and that, then in that way, that Hashem knows things. So when the Rabbi then says, Right, the Rabbah differentiates between what Hashem knows generally, what Hashem knows specifically. This is a complicated uh, philosophical issue. The Rabbah's opinion seems to be that Hashem has general knowledge of the entire world, of everything that's going on. And then there is Hashkacha Pratit, there is specific involvement and specific guidance from Hashem for the Tovim. That would be that would be more direct and more specific. So that's the nation. So for Ra'im and Tovim, Ra'im would be under the general rubric, and Tovim would be under the uh, specific influence of Hashem. Pasuk Dalen Rapela Shon Eitz Chayim, the Selef Bach Shever Beruach. The healing tongue is a tree of life, but a devious one makes for a broken spirit. So again, if you you speak softly to others, so that will create life for you because anybody who comes against you will then really relinquish their hatred because of the softness of your response. But if you put if you put crookedness in your tongue, so then you're going to eventually cause yourself worse because people will come against you and they will not have their anger alleviated and all the things will go wrong for you. Again, Rabbi doesn't elaborate, but these are the kinds of things where you wonder. If you do, you always do it this way, or other time you're supposed to stand up and respond to evil or wickedness and things like that, and how you're supposed to do it, and how you're not. That the Rabbi doesn't bring up here. Pasuk Hey Evil Yin Atz Musar Aviv Mishamer Tochachad Yarim that Neviel rejects the uh, Musar, the discipline of his father, whereas somebody who takes that discipline to heart and learns from it, they will become wiser. 
right? Because the Rabbah says you can't get wise unless you are willing to accept discipline and remonstration and reproof and things like that. Whereas somebody who does it, then you will get the wisdom and the and the knowledge that you need. Pasuk Vav, Beit Tzadik, Chosen, Rav, Tvot Ne'ekaret. In the house of the righteous person, in English says, the there is much treasure, but in the harvest of the wicked, there is trouble. Meaning that the the house of a righteous person is well-founded because of their... And again, this comes up to the Rabbi that we mentioned before, because the righteous have this more direct um, providence from God, and therefore they're well-founded. Whereas... Um, but even so, if there's a Russia who grows up in that house, so then he will bring destruction and anger to the household because they will lose their merits and the things that they had. So that even the tzaddikim, it's not like they're a tzaddik and therefore they have protection and therefore everything's fine with them. It's all based on their continuing relationship with Hashem, continuing uh, earning of Hashem's providence in their lives. Plus, Zayin siftecha chamim yizarudad v'lev kesilim Lochein, the lips of the Chachamim spread out, Yizarudat spread out knowledge among people and in their hearts as well, whereas the, the, even the heart of the Ksilim, let alone what they're saying out loud, within the heart of the Ksilim, uh, they have in there what is not true and what is not right. And that's the sort of the problem of being a Ksil, is that as a Ksil, you simply uh, don't even know what's right and you have in your heart the wrong ideas and wrong um, impressions. And that is going to be part of the problem for the Ksilim. The sacrifices of evildoers are an abomination to God because their first of their sacrifice is just to get rid of their sins in terms of punishment. Their Zvachim uh, are not really reflective of their rejection of that evil. It's just a way to avoid punishment. Whereas the Tfilat Yisharim, Hashem wants better, according to Rabag, because the prayer itself has value. What's the prayer itself? In that it brings you closer to God, makes you focus more on God. Whereas the the value of a sacrifice, the Rabag says, is only in it's changing your ways. Whereas the prayer itself will have an, a, a transformative effect on you as far as he's concerned. So, because in your midot, in his character traits, and his understanding, um, it's a he's a and that's pasuk ted. I'm sorry, pasuk ted. To avat Hashem, derech Hashem, radeif tzakai yehav. And that's what he sees pasuk ted and ted sort of going together. That a, a rasha who brings a sacrifice to try to get a simple, easy atonement. So that's a toiva, and so too the path of evil, where somebody who chases after tzakai yehav will be loved by God. So. This would be summarized simply as saying that Hashem is looking for internal and meaningful improvement, not outward actions. So whenever you have outward actions that don't change you, those are going to be a problem. Echoing an idea we saw just earlier in this pairing. If you leave the path of God, this is that we reject today almost completely our society, the idea that if somebody is leaving the proper path, you have to strongly and harshly discipline them. And that somebody who hates that discipline and rejects that discipline uh, will die in his evil because he'll never uh, return, he'll never repent. Then he says, possibly, the Rabbi says, in character or in traits, perhaps it means he already had a musara, he had a pro- an improper 
upbringing and improper uh, disciplining, but nonetheless, if you hate rebuke, if you hate remonstration, if you hate somebody rebuking you, so that's going to lead to you dying. That part of the Rabag doesn't change. So this is just key issues to to think about is where are we open to hearing rebuke and remonstration? Somebody saying to us, you're not living your life the right way. So you say it straight out like that. I have very few people perhaps are willing to hear it. But where are the places that are willing to hear it um, and that are willing to actually grow and change? That's sort of the theme, I think, in the first 10 psukim of our parak, the first almost third of a parak. That's a, a recurring issue for the Raul Bag of hearing these things and knowing these things and being able to find the right path and identify it. A key element to that is the openness to self-criticism. Pasuk Yud Aleph, She'olav Avadon Negan Hashem Af Ki Libod B'nei Adam. She'olav Avadon Negan Hashem is, is, uh, there's She'ol and Avadon meaning those were things as places where God sent the evildoers and the lie exposed, exposed to the Lord. How much more the minds of men. In other words, and this comes back to the issue of how much God knows or doesn't know. We said before God knows everything in a general way, and then the tzaddikim in a more specific way is what the Ralbag had said, and the word knows is a metaphor, whatever it means. But the Ralbag now says, based on this passage of Yudalev, how can people think that God doesn't know the hearts of men, meaning our inner thoughts? After all, the Sha'ol Avadon are, are much greater things, and yet Hashem knows them. Hashem is the Merkazah, meaning he has a whole, uh, he thinks it's part of the universe. They have these places of Sha'ol and Avadon, like the, the, what we call the netherworld, the place that people are punished, uh, and, and places where they're buried and they go for punishment. Um, when Hashem knows them, then obviously Hashem knows Levavot bin Adam, because that, that's where they're gonna get punished. So whether Hashem knows it, and whatever knows means. Whether Hashem knows it instantly and immediately and has it always in mind, as it were, that the Rebbe is not so clear about. But the fact that there is knowledge of that sort, that knowledge is available to Hashem, so clearly then, what we know inside of us, what we think inside of ourselves, is open and exposed to Hashem. Same idea as before. The late is somebody who doesn't like hearing uh, remonstration, and therefore he's not going to love Chachma, He's not going to want wisdom. He's not going to go to wisdom to wise people because they're going to tell him what he's doing wrong. At some points, they're going to point out things that he's doing wrong, and that's not what he wants to do. So coming back to that same question, that we should point the light at ourselves to see to what extent we are open and available to to hearing that we need to change our ways. Lev Sameach, a happy heart will uh, light the eyes, will make your will make your face glad. Whereas in the sadness of the heart, Nichepanim um, will create a Ruach Nicha will create a despondent mood. In other words, the Rabbah says that a Lev Sameach, a happy heart, Yetiv Ha'iyun, will will help you learn better and think better. Whereas when you have anger inside of you then your heart will be despondent and worried, and therefore you will have a problem with getting to the truth. So the Rabbag related to his central issue, the question of how close you can get to God, how much you can know God, and he explains that's why Elisha, when he wants to get Nivoah, calls for a midnight game, calls for somebody to play some music to allow his mood to change, and then he can get Yad Hashem, and then he can... Um, and so too, he says, all the years that Yaakov... Was, had lost Yosef and was just worried about him. He didn't have Ruach HaKodesh, so that this Pasuk for the Rabbah is saying that our moods affect our ability to get to Nivuaf to Hashem, but even Ruach HaKodesh was not so much a prophecy, but a question of having the ability to 
connect to higher knowledge and higher wisdom, so that of, is affected by mood as well. So the Rabbah really seems to be making almost an intellectual comment that we can't work out at our best when we're in a we're in that kind of a despondent, depressed mood. So a, a, a person with proper wisdom will always look for the dat kidoshim. Will look to connect to and link up with the the holy ones. Link up with people who have real knowledge, real knowledge. the mouths of the fools, they're always looking for ivelet because they because they I think enjoy it. They relate to that. Rather, they resonate with that, and that's what the Rabbi is saying. The Pesach is telling you that what's in your heart will be will show itself in who you look to join. So if you're looking to join, and this is the kind of a thing, I don't know you, we're doing this you know, over the radio, over the computer, I don't know when you're listening to this, but you can analyze yourself to what extent do you choose the social uh, company of people who are mevakshedat, or of people who have not to give out, or are you, or is it that your heart comes out and it shows that your real concerns are evelet, are silliness and foolishness and things that have no, uh, no ultimate value whatsoever. So, question for each of us to ask ourselves. So, you could take this as being financial, that all the days of a poor person uh, are wretched, but contentment is a feast without end. So, it would mean financially, if you see yourself as poor, you've got bad days, but if you're happy, and it's not a function, happiness is not a function always of, or perhaps even often, of how much money you actually have. It's a question of if you're happy, so then it's a mishteh tamid. But, the Rabbah takes it also in terms of, now, Notice that with Rashi and the Vilna Gon, we've been trying to sort of work towards understanding what people are talking about. In Rashi and the Vilna Gon, we have many times seen that they will then take their second level of meaning as being about Torah and the study of Torah. The Ral is also going to have a second level of meaning, only here it's going to be about Bideot. If you're an Ani Bideot, and Deot here could mean Torah for him. Certainly he thinks that you get Deot from Torah, but it means more than that for him. It means just knowledge and wisdom of the most general sorts much of which can be accessed best through Torah, he would say, but not necessarily. So if you're poor in Deot, then all your days are, are bad, are, are troubled. But if, you're, if you've got a lot of good Deot, then Tov uh, Seichel, you've got a well-founded intellect, you've set it upright, you've learned wisdom in the proper ways, so then you're Sameach Tamid, you're always happy because you, um, you, cause you, you enjoy the proper knowledge and the proper understanding of the world, that has been granted you by your deo. It's great, better, you have a little bit, but you gather it with proper fear of God, rather than having lots of money, but you've gathered it in wrong and improper ways, because that little bit that you get with your Hashem will eventually succeed, whereas the rest, will, whereas the stuff that you get improperly will eventually be lost to you, it will... Uh, will be taken away. Again, whether or not it's in your lifetime is not the the question that Rabbi is dealing with, but that you will eventually lose it and you will eventually have your comeuppance from it. Better to have a meal of, of a small vegetable with love as opposed to having a fatted uh, ox, but there's hatred in the meal. So the Rabbi said that's the question of the the social company at that meal. Yarak, you have a small, minimal meal, but the people around it are enjoying each other, whereas if you're eating with people who hate you, 
because the hatred will cause fighting, and then that'll be end up with ter- other many terrible things. So it's better to eat and to hang out with and to have a social company of those who you actually like and who actually like you and with whom you actually want to build bonds and those who hate you and are trying to destroy you and you're trying to destroy them, but you have to eat meals together. So you can imagine, you know, I hope this isn't true of any of us, but you can imagine these mafia movies where everybody there really hates each other, just competing with each other, just hoping to see who can get ahead of whom and waiting for the chance to who can kill whom, but they're having these, you know, black tie meals with all the best foods. So that would be an example of Shor Avus, Vasina Bo, according to the Royal Dag, as opposed to small meals without all this lavishness, but everybody there really actually has the best hearts of everybody, best interests, everybody else there at heart. A person who tends towards anger, Hassan. We've seen before there were many. I think it was Reniona who said, yeah, Reniona who said that uh, that people tend to give it to their first first impulse. Are the people who are most are the angriest kinds of people? They just let their anger flow, and those people bring about great fighting where there would have been peace. Whereas somebody who manages to control their anger, the Rambam says, will manage to also avoid the fighting and will manage to have and create peace in his household and in his life and in everything that he does. Uh, so, in the English, is the way of a lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is paved. So what does it mean that it's, that it's, that it's got a, it's a path of thorns? It means that it's hard, the Rabbah says, it's hard to walk on it, and you get hurt while you're walking on it. Whereas the people who are Yesharim to him, who go the proper and straight and right way, so it's well paved. Why? Because, and they can go easily. So the Rabbah says, why is that? It says he thinks the right way to understand it is that, that it's talking about learning. Meaning, why would the fact that they be lazy? So he could have said that they're lazy. It's just going anywhere is hard for them. So it's like there are thorns there. But he says he thinks also it's in terms of laziness, in terms of intellectual endeavors, from indulging into things. So this is another example of where the Rabbah, the, the word that for Rashi would have been Torah, if the Velnagon would have been Torah, for the Rabbah, it seems to be philosophical understanding and deep understanding of the world, including, perhaps, Torah. So he says, all of that is very difficult for the lazy person. Why? And it's like you're walking on thorns, because you always find doubts and complexities and things are messed, uh, mixed up. And the reason for that for him is because he was lazy. He didn't set up his original foundations to delve into them and to figure out what was more true and what was less true. Whereas the Isharim who started out, according to Rabbah, who started out by learning the basic foundations, and they set themselves up properly and appropriately, so then they have an easy time building on that knowledge, or an easier time, and they don't uh, stumble, they don't have any of these problems, and therefore they have an easy time for them. Growing in their knowledge, understanding the world, is not nearly the challenge that it was for the Atzel. ben boze imo. So why is it Ben Chacham is more important to the father? So we've seen this before in the Rabbah. I think it's the Rabbah actually we saw before in, that the father is more concerned with the son's intellectual growth. This is uh, true at least of his culture. I don't know if it's always true. Whereas a Ksil, a son who has actual character flaws, so that is more of an embarrassment to the mother because his character will be ascribed to the mother more than to the father. And therefore, uh, and he's always, at least when he's growing up, generally more with the mother, and therefore she'll be more embarrassed by that. Or, that's one possibility, then, or he says that uh, it's not 
only his mother, it's also his mother. Meaning the father will be hurt by the lack of intellectual, but the mother will certainly be included in being upset over his poor character if he turns out to be a Ben Kisil. So that's another possibility, in which case we have less of the challenge of turning this, of ex- having this be relevant to our egalitarian culture. It's saying that, uh, that, that one, some types of areas are of more concern to the father, and other kinds of areas are concerned to both of them. So, Pazik Chav Aleph, Ivelet Simcha Lechasar Leim, Veish Tivuna Yasher Lechet. Ivelet finding folly, uh, will be a, a happy, joyous thing to a person who doesn't have the heart to understand what he should be looking for. Whereas Nish Tfuna will always go in the right way. So Iveled is Haishtadlut, according to the Ralbag, Bezulat Hasibot Hariuyot. Trying in things that don't have the proper backing, don't have the proper foundation for them. Whereas Nish Tfuna will always go in the proper place with the proper reasons for the proper kinds of goals. So even just your general path, and this always is a striking this always is a challenge in terms of evaluating people's lives. Meaning, if somebody sets themselves on a path where their goals are in them themselves the wrong kinds of goals, they can work hard, they can be a dedicated person, they can even seem like a fine person, like a well-established person, but if they've been moving towards the wrong goals, then there's going to be nothing. So a chasar is somebody who doesn't have the wisdom or the heart to understand where they're going, and they get to evaluate it, and they're happy. Whereas all they've been working for hasn't had anything to it. And that's one of the central tragedies. You can have people who go wrong at a very late stage in the game. They were working for the right goal, working for the right goal, and came to the wrong understanding at some point. But then you can have other people whose whole path. So, whereas will be going to the right thing. If you don't have if you don't have sot here doesn't mean secret as in holding it away from people. If you don't take counsel and advice according to the Rabag in a, sort of a secret counsel perhaps so that it's not to be spread out broadly but if you don't take any counsel then the plans will not come to proper fruition because you won't be able to implement them. Whereas if you find a lot of advisors then you will find the right way to do something the right way to bring it to fruition and then you are more likely to have success. Person, a wise person, when you have to speak to the king, uh, you have to find, you'll have a, a joy in being able to uh, speak to higher ups, when you get a chance to, but you have to always make sure that the things you say are the right things at the right time. That's always a big challenge knowing what to say and when to say it. We, again, live, I think, in a culture which seems to promote just sort of saying whatever you want and being loose and free and casual. And, and, and that seems to be, I don't know, I guess maybe it's just me, but I feel like that is a, an underlying ethic of our culture. Just to say what you're thinking, say what's in your mind, just let it all out. Whereas, the Rabbag is pointing out, even when you're speaking, especially when you're speaking to higher-ups, you have to think about carefully what to say, when to say, how to say it, and that's really that's the right way to go. Even if you're thinking something very uh, deeply and very you feel it strongly, that doesn't mean you should say it. It means you should wait for the bright opportunities. The proper way of life, 
will take an Isha Maskili, a person who thinks the right way, and he'll take him upwards. Meaning the more you work at it, and the more it'll take you upwards. Whereas, uh, if you are is to keep you away from going downwards in a negative direction. So the, the, the path you pick in life is a central issue and a central question, meaning, uh, I don't want to pick, I'm trying to think of examples that won't offend somebody as a definition of good or evil, but, but let's suppose somebody were to have come to decide, he's not alive anymore, so maybe we can use him as an example. Let's put it a young Iraqi person who thought Saddam Hussein was just a great leader and gets caught up in that way of life and devotes himself to that way of life and ends up torturing and killing innocent people. So you say, how could it happen? How could it happen? I think part of what the Ralbag is saying on Puzzle of Dal and on Or Chaim is the basic paths we set in life become uh, markers of who we're going to become. And it's not so simple to get out of that path afterwards. There's the famous Stanford Prison Experiment, a guy named uh, with a Z, Zimbardo, wrote a book about it I just recently read called The Lucifer Effect. He has a website where he points out that the simple decision by luck, the luck of the draw, basically, between who in their effect would play a prisoner and who would play a prison guard uh, affected whether they became sadists or not. So, over Chaim, the paths we choose in life deeply affect who we are, and I would say, this is not the Rabbach talking, I would say that means that they call for repeatedly reviewing. used to point out that Tshuva is both a uh, response to a specific act, but at some point, perhaps around Yom Kippur time, Tshuva is also a revisiting of our entire Orach Chaim and wondering whether we made all those right choices as well. The house of people who are geim, who are arrogant, and kifim, the rabbi has the word kifim, and, and assert their authority over others in a way that they're not supposed to, yacharif Hashem ibar. Hashem will destroy that house. And whereas the, the borders of an almana, of the weak, and, uh, and the widowed who are unprotected, Hashem will come to their rescue and will establish their borders better. So this is saying that the power that people might have, have in life is power they should use wisely and carefully because of Kaddish Baruch Hu, because Hashem is watching and is uh, judging how they use that power. And if they use it wrongly, then it's likely that they're going to lose that and then they're going to lose a lot more than that as well. Tovat Hashem ra utehorim imrei noam. So Hashem is an abomination to a God are evil thoughts. Whereas speaking uh, pleasant things is is a way of reaching tahara. So why is it evil thoughts are a problem? So the Rabbi says because evil thoughts, and we saw this in the Rabbinona as well. Evil thoughts are the beginning of setting up sin, both in your thoughts, your character traits, and in your intellectual beliefs. And as we said before, the Rabbi is very dedicated to the proposition that our intellectual beliefs start us off in life and start us off as to what paths we're going to take and what beliefs we adopt will affect the kinds of lives we set up in all sincerity. Or a possibility, he says, that uh, he says that an evil person who has machshavot ra, who has bad, uh, who has his thoughts are always an abomination to God because they're always bad. Whereas the machshavot, the, the thoughts of anashim tehorim, as opposed to the first way was Torimim Renoam is that if you speak well, that's going to shape you and turn you into a person who's also a pleasant, nice person. So here he was saying, but it, it's the other way around. It could be that uh, that once you're a Tahor, a pure person, so then you're going to say things that are going to be make Hashem happy and they'll be pleasant and proper and good with people and with Hashem. Pasukav Zayin Ulcher Beito Botzeya Batza Matanot Yuchia, a person who 
uh, takes bribes is going to really destroy his household. Um, and whereas somebody who hates gifts, or at least improper gifts, will live and will set a firm foundation because he won't get used to relying on those kinds of gifts. Um, because the real box says, because you're going to rely on God, you're not going to rely on people, and then you won't be disappointed, because God never disappoints. Whereas people, if you set the foundation of how you're going to live on the fact that people are going to give you things, so that can eventually uh, come, become not true, and then you'll be stuck. Whereas if you're always relying on Hashem, so that will always be a place to rely. That people, a tzadikim, they think a lot before they speak. Uh, and what's the right way to say it? What's the proper thing to say? Whereas Rishayim always say evil things and bad things and destructive things because that's what they are. That's part of who they are. It just flows out of them and they have to work at getting rid of it. But that's what that's what it is. So then you should even, in uh, in listening to other people, you have to evaluate the source of where the words come from. I should just say after Pazikhafkat, I just always the Mishlay sets these things up as as a dialectical contrast. There's Rishaim and Sadikim. There's there's two extremes. And Rubinion had in another chapter said that that's what Mishlay tends to do. It sets up the contrast and then speaks about but doesn't really often speak about the middle. But our lives are filled with people who we know in the middle. We know very few people who are pure tzaddikim and very few people who are pure rishayim, which would mean that somebody who in one area of life might be a tzaddik, as we would call it, and therefore everything they say comes out of a good place and should be trusted implicitly and learned from and educative and will help us grow as people, that same person will end up on another area saying something that's not that way. And that's part of the challenge that we would have to then in meeting people and getting to know people. We have to learn how to figure out which kinds of things are coming from which place within them in order to know what to trust and what to take and what not. And that it complicates the matters considerably. So Hashem is far from helping Rishaim and from listening to them, but He will listen to Tzadikim. So this goes back to the Rabag that we saw earlier in this chapter about providence and how shows providence works. And of course, in this context, Rishaim means those who are still firm in their evil. It doesn't mean people who are trying to repent and trying to return to Hashem. So their Hashem is always open to tshuva, but then they're no longer Rishaim because they've done tshuva, they've actually repented. That's a whole different topic. But if they're still Rishaim, then Hashem is going to reject their prayers and not listen to them in that sense. Pasuk lamid me'or inayim yisamach leiv Atzem. The the heart, the, the lighting of the heart, according to the Rabbah, will 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 please the intellect. Meaning that if you have a good heart, then you will achieve intellectual achievements. You'll achieve understanding of the way the world works, of the hasagot yuniyot, coming to understanding of God and the universe and all of that. And eshmuat tova will please a person if you hear a good good news. Until it'll be like your bones will get thicker and fill with more insights, with more moak, with more uh, marrow. And therefore, uh, and, and and he says, and in general you see, this is an old stereotype, and people who have uh, difficulties with weight in our context will object to it, but in the Ralbag's time, he's saying, and you see, the people who are happier tend to be heavier. And he's saying that's part of this passage. So the, he was taking it to mean that it's actually true physiologically. I don't know if we've done the studies yet, but maybe someday they will, that regardless of diet, it may be that happy people are larger, having nothing to do with the fact that they eat too much, but the fact that their bones are thicker. 
and then it would be larger in a good way, meaning they're thicker and therefore presumably healthier. Their bones are stronger and less prone to breaking, less prone to whatever it is. Their skeleton is more well-founded based on the internal happiness that they have. That's always a, an interesting question, the question of which kinds of these claims uh, are actual fact, but that interaction between physiology and psychology is one that's just starting to be studied and is not a well-founded field, and the Ralbach is making a very clear claim based on it, but I don't know of any studies that have checked that out. Perhaps people know of it and they want to email me about it, g-r-o-t-h-s-t at gmail.com, but I don't know of any such studies, but it's an interesting claim, the claim that happiness actually strengthens one's bones. Coming back to the theme that started off our parak, the ear that is willing to listen and tends to listen to the rebukes of life, the proper rebuke, to accept discipline and, and, and to accept the remonstration, which is the right way to get to wisdom and to the knowledge of how to live the proper life, so that will set them to the in the right way, on the straight path, and you'll get wiser, and then you will have the place among Chachamim, or you'll be able to go and sleep among the Chachamim to learn from them and to grow from them, all based on your willingness, meaning step number one is, you're willing to, to say, I might be wrong, or to accept the possibility of being wrong, and then from there to move on to learning and growing. If you reject Musai, then you hate yourself. It's not that you hate the other person. It's not that you're acting badly towards the other person. Forget the other person. You're really just acting, it's a self-defeating behavior. Whereas if you accept Tochachat, you're going to be able to purchase your heart. You're going to, so the Rabban says, you hate yourself because you're definitely going to die uh, because of this. Um, and if you live, but if you listen to remonstration, you're going to be konesteh. You're going to buy better intellect, and the discipline is the rabbi says the first step in getting wisdom. So the theme of the parak, we have just one last verse in a second. But the theme of the parak, I think, the or the more recurring part of the parak has been the ways to achieve wisdom, and one of the central aspects of that is the readiness to self-criticism, the readiness to accept criticism of the self, and that is the first step in achieving greater and greater wisdom. Yerat Hashem. How does it mean that the fear of God is Musar Chachma? Rabag says it doesn't mean that it is itself Musar Chachma. It means that it will uh, straighten you, ready you. It will uh, make you more properly ready for uh, Musar Chachma, for the discipline of wisdom. And Anava and Shiflut and modesty and humility will also straighten you and pr- properly prepare you for achieving honor. And that you're actually more likely to get honor, or either either more likely or more ready for dealing with honor properly and appropriately, if you have anava, if you have an internal humility that will ready you for the proper use of whatever honor comes your way, and use it for the proper and good purpose. Meaning, there's a value in honors we saw in the previous chapter as well. There's a value in wealth, but what prepares you for being able to use wealth and honor properly is having an internal humility to know that the value of the honor, the purpose of the honor, is not to make you better, or not to make you more famous, but the purpose of the honor is to be able to achieve the kinds of goods, the kinds of uh, societal goods and religious goods and religious uh, goals as Hashem would want and as people should want, for those people with proper humility and proper wisdom are the best ones to achieve the honor and the wealth. Have a great day.